0: Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It is really, really hard to love. Most of the time in our world, I don't think we even understand what love actually is. Sometimes the word love gets mixed in the realm of emotion and attraction. People talk about falling in love. People talk about losing, uh, falling out of love, losing feelings of love for another person. People talk about being able to love whomever they choose. There is a lot of talk that uses the word love in a sentence. But what is love? In our passage today, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Jesus is telling the twelve disciples, who would later become his sent ones, his apostles, that they're to love each other. Notice that Jesus starts this talk of love with those who are gathered around the table. This commandment took place within the immediate context of the institution of the Lord's Supper. He is telling them to love each other. He had told them before and after that they were to love their enemies, but here Jesus is making sure that they are to love one another first and foremost. Our first thought is, Should they need to be reminded of this? Shouldn't they already know it? Well, yes. They needed to be reminded to love one another, and so do we. And this love that they were to have for each other is not easy. Time and time again, you have the twelve disciples, you find them in scenes of argument with one another argument about who was the greatest among themselves. One time, ten of the twelve disciples were indignant with John and his brother because their mom had asked Jesus if the two of them could sit, one at his right and one at his left, in his kingdom. Another time, Peter separated himself from the rest of the disciples, saying, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Even if I must die with you, I will not disown you. Essentially, Peter was saying, I can't speak for the other 11 that you chose. Perhaps they could fall away, but not me. I would never turn my back on you. For some reason, Peter felt like he had to put down the faithfulness of his brothers and single himself out as one who is faithful, unlike them. He was not lifting up his brothers. He was putting down his brothers and lifting up himself. The point is, the disciples who did love one another didn't always act like it. When push came to shove, they often lifted themselves above the rest. Instead of wanting the highest and best positions for the other person, they wanted the highest and best positions for themselves. We are not much different. It is tough to get along with one another. In our homes, in our church families, it is a daily struggle to keep from putting ourselves above the other person. I don't know about you, but I am a selfish person. Over and over again, when I find myself in some kind of conflict with someone else, I tend to see that person as an obstacle Instead of someone that God has called me to love, I am bound by my God uh, I am bound by God to my family and to my church, to my brothers and sisters in Christ. And for some reason, they are the ones that I find myself internally complaining about more than anybody else. No offense, because all of you guys are right here. (laughs) But sometimes I'm wishing that these people would just go my way. Whether it be in relationship to my wife, my kids, or my brothers and sisters in Christ, I tend to put myself first. Sure, I love my wife, I love my kids, and you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I love you too. But the problem is, Yep. Yeah. I love Noah too. Yep. the The problem is, love is action, and it is speech. And I don't always act or speak lovingly. Now, not to be mistaken, love doesn't always tell people uh, that they what they want to hear. Love doesn't always tell people what they want to hear. But love always acts and speaks for the benefit of the other person. Even if the other person doesn't want to hear or receive my love. If I love someone, I may have to tell them that they are living in sin. I may have to tell them that they have to finish their chicken. That's probably not most of you guys, but there's a couple in this room. But I want to risk giving them bad news in hopes that they would receive good news. Are you following me? Sometimes in my vocation, I may have to say, this doesn't work. You can't do this and walk with God. I want to risk giving them bad news in hopes that they receive good news. That there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ, who died to take away all sin. If someone we does, if someone we love doesn't want their sin to be taken away, this message is threatening, and they may not like you. But back to the main point. I love people, but I don't always act loving. But Jesus says that our love is to have a certain distinction to it. It's to look a certain way. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Jesus says that our love for others is to be just as I have loved you. This is impossible. Yet Jesus says it. So I guess the question then is, how did Jesus love them? How does Jesus love us? Well, in the immediate context to this passage, Jesus loved them by giving them his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. And then he washed their feet. This was significant for countless reasons. But one main thing that Jesus wanted them to take away was that just as he served them, they were to serve one another. He held nothing back not even his own self, but he freely gave. He gave so that they could be forgiven. Jesus loved so that they would have forgiveness, so that they would know the Father's care. Jesus at one time uh, praised to the Heavenly Father, saying, this is eternal life, that they would know you The only true God, and know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus became a servant so that this would happen, so that we would know God through forgiveness. In the greater context, which is mentioned in our gospel, Jesus would be glorified and God would be glorified in him. You may ask, well, how is this loving? that God gets glory. Well, Jesus' glory was his death for the sins of the world. The Father's glory was that he so loved the world that he was willing to give his Son. Jesus laid down his life so that our sins would be paid for. Jesus' love caused him to pay for those sins. Even as he hung upon the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He prayed for the forgiveness of his enemies. One other way among many that Jesus showed his love for his disciples was that he told people he did not always tell them what they wanted to hear. But love always acts and speaks for the benefit of the other person, even if the other person doesn't want to receive the love. That's not right. Uh, That's right, but that's not where I was supposed to be. (laughs) One other way among many that Jesus showed his love for his disciples was that he cared for their physical needs, he cared for their physical needs. Several times, Jesus led the disciples to catch fish. Another time, he helped them with money for taxes. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And the list goes on and on. He cared for their bodies. They followed him. He called them friends. He called them brothers. And when they were in need, he did not leave them. He provided for the support and needs of their bodies. Jesus was telling his disciples to stop bickering with one another. They were to recognize that Christ freely gave them the support and needs of the body. He freely laid down his self-interest, even his life, so that they would know him and the Father. And he forgave them over and over and over and over again. He became like a slave to those who were his disciples. To what end? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world would be saved through him. All of the things that Jesus did for his disciples, he does for you. He may not wash your feet, but he laid down his life, washing you with water and the word that you would be his own. He does give you his body and blood in the supper, just as he gave the disciples. In his death and resurrection, they were not, it was not only done for the twelve but he laid down his life so that you would be forgiven as well. And your bodily needs, they have been met all the way till this day. You are loved by Jesus just as much as the twelve in that room were. Now what we know, now that we know some of the ways that Jesus loved them and us, The question will then become, how does this translate into the way that I love others? Well, at the end of Acts 2, we see quite plainly how this is translated. The twelve and all of the other disciples who were saved, they met daily, gathering around God's word and supper. They each and every one gave all they had for the support of another, and they also spoke boldly, calling out uh, the other's sin so that there could be repentance and forgiveness of that sin. And even under persecution, they spoke of the love that God has for the world in the death and resurrection of Jesus. They loved even when it meant their own harm. And for the twelve, even when it meant their death. In other words, they loved each other and their enemies as Jesus loved them. But what about you and I? As you're listening to this sermon, there may be some, someone that comes to mind that you have not loved as Christ loved you. Perhaps instead of serving them and washing their feet, so to speak, You're keeping score with them and demanding that they pay you back all that you have invested. Perhaps there is someone in your life, someone in your family or your church that you haven't forgiven. Perhaps you feel as though they don't deserve to be forgiven because they haven't earned that forgiveness back from you. Do we deserve to have the Son of God lay down his life for us? Do we deserve to sit at his, at his table? Perhaps there is someone in your life that needs your help. But you are afraid to give because you don't know if you will have enough. Maybe Jesus wants to help to provide for someone physically as he provides for you and he wants to use you to do it perhaps there is a strain in your relationship with one with one another maybe the way of their way of seeing things doesn't match up with your way of seeing things you think that they should think like you or perhaps they should just leave this is why a lot of divorce happens this is why people leave churches what if both Christians saw how Jesus was patient with them? Perhaps those Christians would want to be patient with one another. One thing I personally try to do is this when I am really bothered by someone, I pray. I have stopped praying that that person would change. That's not the way I pray anymore. But rather that God would create in me a heart that loves them instead of a heart that complains about them. I want God to give me a loving heart towards that person even if they are acting like enemies of mine. I admit that this prayer, it usually follows some type of sinful outburst on my behalf. Sometimes I lose my temper before I pray this prayer. Sometimes I speak ill of other people before I pray this prayer. Sometimes I say things to them that I feel terrible about later. The point is, this prayer often leads me to confession. I love them so I love them, so I want them to know that I agree that they should not have been mistreated by me. I should not have in my confession, I recognize that they are loved by God and they are to be protected by his commandments. The commandments that I sinned against when I spoke out against them or lost my temper towards them. I want to love them as Christ loved me. And on the same token, this prayer, it leads me to forgive them when they sin against me. I have sinned more than I can fathom. And yet, Jesus freely forgives me. In the joy of his forgiveness, I want to forgive And this type of love that we have for one another, the love that comes from reflection on Jesus' love for us, it does something in this world. Jesus says that when we have a love for one another that reflects his love for us, it is a witness. He says, by this, by this, by this love for one another that you have, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is what everybody needs. It is. Some people don't want love, they want worship. But that's what people want. What everybody needs is love if they see a love that provides, provides, forgives, and serves in a community of people that forgives one another, they may desire this for themselves. They may at least be willing to hear about the source of this community's love. Paul says, faith comes through hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Our hope is that all people would be saved. That was our second reading. That's heaven. Our hope is that everybody gets there. We hope that those closest to us, those in our families and in our church family, we pray that they would remain in the faith to see the new Jerusalem as it is described in our epistle. Our hope is that we would all be in that place where God dwells with his people, where he will wipe away every tear from our eye to the place where death will be no more, where mourning nor crying nor pain will be anymore. This is what we desire for everybody. We pray that we would continually receive Jesus' love and that his love would cause us to love others, everyone. And we pray that this love that starts with Christ would be a witness to all, and that all would be saved. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.